Well, last week, if you were here, I did a leap of faith or a faith that leaps or a faith that will cause you to leap. How many know that it's not easy sometimes? It's not easy to believe for the miraculous. And yet, that's what we're called to do. Last week, we read from what I like to call the faith chapter, which is what? Hebrews what? 11, thank you. One of you was listening. And I, I came up with this title mainly because if you understand my, my thought process, which is really scary sometimes, but a faith, a leap of faith, I'm sorry, defined is a risky faith where one hopes for the best but isn't certain of the outcome. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you play the lottery or do the sport gambling? That's a leap of faith. Or a type of a leap of faith, if you will. Are you with me? And many people are ruined by that kind of faith. Some of you personally know people that have been deeply harmed by folks that, oh, I'm going to win it. I'm going to win it. I'm going to get the big one. Well, somebody got the big one. But it's usually not us. On the other hand, a faith that leaps, or is a cause for one to leap, is a faith that fully trusts an almighty God and places the outcome in His mighty hands. In other words, He's got this. God's got this. He's got your back. That last song that we sang, All I Need, is you, Lord. All I need is you. Wow. I, I, I was just sucked into that this morning, and it just made me think, I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. So I want to look a little bit deeper into this idea of a faith that leaps today. From the start, faith begins at salvation. The Apostle Paul said this in Ephesians 2.8, God saved you by His grace. When you what? When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. In order to be saved, you must first believe that God exists and that Jesus Christ died for your sins, was buried, but didn't stay there. He rose from the grave. Right? And where is He now? That's right, he's not in a grave. Death couldn't hold him. He holds the keys to death. And he is now seated at the right hand, and the Bible says he's up there, and he's praying, praying for us. He's mediating on our behalf. When you start to think, I'm all by myself, you need to recognize, no, you're not. Jesus is praying for you. What do we do, though? We got to light up that phone chain, man. We got to call. And nothing wrong with that. I'm, I, don't get the wrong idea. What I'm trying to get you to see, though, who is our first source? God. Jesus. Not the prayer chain. Go to Him first. Lord, Jesus, I need some help. Is he able? Yes. That's what we're going to look at today. 
I think he's more than able. So salvation is the first step. Everything that we have that is good comes from God. And that includes our faith. Faith, then, is a gift from him. How many can get excited about that? It happens to be, it's also one of the gifts. But there's a little bit of difference there, and I'll get into that more when I get to the gifts, but I'm not there yet. I want to get through this first, and today I just want you to understand that faith is a gift from God. Another passage that I wanted to share was also from Paul, and he said this, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. <laughs> Woo. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. You know, I used to laugh when I, when I heard about some of the older saints, and I'm talking the big guys, you know. And they would say, oh, oh, but I'm but a worm. And I'd laugh at it, like, no, you're not. You're, you're, you were created in God's image, but now I start to get it. I get what they were saying, what they were implying. We're nothing without the Lord. Yes, with Him, we're all that. But in and of ourselves, there isn't a person in this room that's all that. So if that's you, come on down off your, your high post, all right? And join the rest of us. Be humble. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Moving on. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Read that last part with me. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Who gives us the faith? So you see where I'm going with this. You know, when we begin to worry, oh, am I going to make it? Oh, will I ever get to heaven? God gives you the faith. All you have to do is receive it, take hold of it, believe it, and start applying it to your life. You know what the, the, you know what the world needs today? Some believers who really believe that He exists and that He is mediating on our behalf. What were some of the things that Jesus did when He walked this earth? Open blind eyes. I love the one where He raised the dead. What? Who does that? At a funeral. And he, and he stinketh. The dude was dead. He was, he was already corrupted. That's right. And yet, Lazarus came out of that grave, man. Ha-ha! That's the God we serve. And that was before he died, was buried, and rose from the grave. We serve an amazing God. So our faith comes from God, but the right side of the butt. It is up to you and me to nurture it and make it grow. He gives us everything, but we've got to take hold of it. 
We've got to do something with it. We've got to take that step of faith. One step leads to another, to another, to another. Otherwise, it isn't faith at all. We need to begin believing for bigger things for our families, for the souls of our families, our neighbors, our co-workers. How does our faith grow? All I need is you, Lord. You, Lord. All I need is you. We grow our faith by seeking the Lord daily. That's what Jesus did. He went to the secret place. He went to the garden. He went wherever he could get away just for a a while to spend time with who? Abba. Abba, Father. Daddy. You imagine the Son of God. He couldn't do it on his own. He was in the flesh, 100% man, yet he was 100% God, according to our theology. And he himself knew he couldn't do it on his own. He needed the touch from heaven. And yet, you and I, we come down here in our fancy Christian clothes thinking we can do all that all by ourselves. Well, I just pray. Well, that's fine, but have you spent any time with your daddy today to hear from him, to get a word from him, to get the anointing from him? Or is it all flesh? Ooh. I'm sorry if I'm sounding rough. I don't mean to sound rough. I'm just trying to tell you what's on my heart that I feel like the Lord is saying, Church, I want you. I want you moving on my behalf. I want you believing on my behalf. I want to fill you with the power. But you've got to have faith and you've got to exercise that faith. And that requires us to mature with Him just like Jesus did. And when we begin to think we can do this all on our own, we're in deep doo-doo. Too many Christians today think they can do it all on their own. That's a sad place to be. By seeking the Lord daily, we develop a vertical relationship. I, I call it that. A vertical relationship. And one of my favorite passages is found in Matthew 7. And if you notice, this is in the present tense, but it's it's ongoing. It doesn't stop. Keep on asking, Jesus said, and you will what? Receive Receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will what? You will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will what? What is he talking about? Faith. Everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks. He, I, I, I call this the permission passage. He gives us permission to go after him. What are we going after? God. 
You know, often we pray that, that somebody gets filled with the Holy Spirit, but what I like to tell them is don't go after the tongues. Go after the one who gives you the tongues. Go after the Holy Spirit and His presence. Jesus told the people to go after God with their all. Remember that? Go after Him with... What is that verse? All your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Did He leave anything out? And when you do that, you develop that relationship with Him, your Father in heaven. And there isn't anything He won't do for you. When you have a close relationship with God, you have everything. Let's look at this definition of faith real quick. Hebrews 11.1. I want to go back to that. And again, I, I love this picture because it just, to me, <laughs> you think that lizard thought about jumping? I don't think he did. I think he just went, you know what, I can do this. Leap of faith or a faith that leaps. He didn't have to think about it. It was second nature. That's how you and I should be with faith. It should be second nature to us. We shouldn't even have to think about it. It should come natural. Faith is the confidence. Read it with me. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I talked about this last week, if you remember. Faith is intangible. You can't touch it or grasp it. Can you see God? Can you touch God? Can you feel God? Yeah, I think some people have felt the Spirit of the living God. We, we did, you asked today, how many sense the presence of the Lord? I don't necessarily understand that, although I have been at the altar before, and something put a hand on me, all right? I felt like a hand. And afterwards, I said, who, who was that that prayed over me? And they said, nobody. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> I think I was touched. I felt the Lord. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, does it? But every now and then, you get a little glimpse of Him. Though God cannot be seen in the natural, we understand that He lives in the supernatural. Now, I know God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. You don't have to teach me that. What I'm trying to say here is, as we look to him and we use this idea of vertical, God is everywhere. What I'm trying to get you to see, see in our minds, in our finite minds, this out here 
This is the, the world. This is the human part. And we often get in our minds this idea that heaven is up. We don't know where it is. But it's just something to focus our faith on. When somebody gets up here and kneels and they look up, it doesn't mean God's right there. But they're acknowledging that they're praying to Him. That's all that is. It's just a, the idea of getting your focus in the right place. Hebrews 11.6, and I shared this last week, but it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. And I, I pointed out how believe and faith are the same word translated differently from the Greek. So in the Greek, it's faith and believe are the, from the same word. If God gives us our faith, then what's our part? Thank you. Mary, you're right on. To believe. Sincere belief. Trust that He has got you. He, when your loved one gets sick, it's saying, Lord, you've got this. I'm not going to labor. You've got this. I'm putting my loved one in your hands. You've got this. Do you pray the prayer of faith? Absolutely. We're commanded to do that. Pray for the sick and they will recover. But if God chooses to take that person home for whatever reason, it's not ours to question. It's just to continue believing that he's got this. And they have the ultimate healing. What else do we trust? How about that the Bible is true? Which part? You know, I, I talked about this last week when I got on my high horse about evolution. If I can get there, because this thing's got like a ton of stuff in the forefront of it. That's why I put bookmarks in here so you guys don't have to wait for me to get there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Don't believe that. What did you just do? Some try to mix in that, well, you know, you could still have faith in... Uh, it could be millions and billions of years. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe that this book that was canonized in the 4th century is truth. The early church, 1st century church, they lived by it. Second century, same thing. Third century, all the way up to today. We're still finding archaeological digs that are proving the Bible to be true. It's awesome. I love it when they dig up some of these scrolls, old manuscripts, and they say the very same thing we've been preaching. 
from this book. Hallelujah. God is good. For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. You know, every time you stand on one of his promises, he gets the glory. What are we here for? To worship him and to glorify his name. Same thing Jesus was here for. Well, Jesus was here for another reason. He, he came to say, the kingdom is upon you. Repent. <laughs> the kingdom of God, that is. The kingdom of God is upon you. Repent. Faith, then, is the assurance or substance that what we cannot see in the natural is available to us in the supernatural. Now, I'm not trying to get out into this metaphysical stuff today. But I did want to talk briefly about something that's called transcendence. Let me get to that. In the Sacred Pageant of Commentary, it says this about assurance. So this word assurance, let me go back to that. I want to back up. Right there. That word assurance. That is actually from the Greek word Hupostasis. And it means basically that our faith is not something that the believer can produce because it rests on a reality that transcends the individual. Transcend means outside of us, it's bigger than you and me. God gives us this faith. And then it's up to us to do something with it, to exercise it, if you will, to believe that it's true. But it's His power that makes that happen. When Jesus spent time with the Father, what He was really doing was stepping outside of Himself. He was transcending into the realm of God, the Holy Spirit. We know that our Father is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And when Jesus went to those solitary places, he did so because he wanted to commune with God the Spirit. God his Father through the Spirit. And we have that same privilege as Pentecostals. That's what it's all about. When we exercise our faith, or when we get into that faith mode like Jesus did, we transcend those human limits, and we enter into God's spiritual reality where nothing is impossible. Let me use a couple examples. First example, Jesus had just been questioned about whether he could deliver a boy from demonic influence. And, and I love his response here. He said, what do you mean if I can? What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked, anything, what? 
Let's say that last quoted part again. Anything is possible. How many of you are persons? Well, at least today we are. That could change tomorrow by definition. I didn't mean to make fun of anything, but it's ridiculous. Anything is possible if a person believes. We're people. We're persons. Anything is possible if a person believes. Whoa! What are you believing for? If you believe, anything is possible. That's what faith does. And not only does it combat the forces of darkness. Remember the time, and somebody mentioned it earlier when I talked about supernatural. Remember when Jesus fed a few people? You're getting ahead of me, Claudia. And John... How many know this is in all of the Gospels? That means it, it's important and it happened. Not that the others didn't if it wasn't in every Gospel, but I think there's a reason that God has this in every single Gospel. All the disciples remembered this. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Read this next part. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. You see, Jesus had already been communing with the Father. And he knew what he was going to do. He was going to believe. And listen to Philip. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Now what I want to point out is that just before this happened, he had sent out his disciples and they had laid hands on the sick and they had recovered and the demons obeyed them and here they are out in this field and he asked them, what should we do? And they're like, The next verse, then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But if he just stayed on the left side of the butt, he would have passed the test. But the right side, what good is that with this huge crowd? What's Jesus trying to show us here? Trust Him. Trust Him. Faith, when acted upon, produces miracles. He told them, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. 
The men alone numbered 5,000, as Claudia eloquently said from the back. Thank you for that, Claudia. I love you. I'm so glad you interject. I miss, I do, I miss it when Mac isn't up here pillaging the front with his comments. So, because the, wem- the women and the, the boys and girls aren't mentioned here, some think that there were about 20,000 sitting on this hillside that they were going to feed. <laughs> then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate. Wow. Nobody had to just take a little piece like at some of our potlucks when you're the last one. (laughs) Remember that next week at the picnic, all right? Take a little bit the first time. Make sure everybody gets fed first, unless you're praying, Lord, multiply the loaves and the fishes. (laughs) There's so much we can learn from this, but here's what I want you to see. First, Jesus took what he had. Second, he gave thanks for it. Let me go back. He took what he had. He gave thanks for it. And what was the outcome? Not only more than enough, more than they started with. Everyone was full. Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. What? How does this happen? (laughs) Jesus was able to mass produce in the supernatural what they needed in the natural. He was so connected to his heavenly Father. He exercised his faith. He gave thanks for it. He took what he had, gave thanks for it, and it was multiplied. God is in the business of working miracles. I hope everybody here realizes that. How do we get to the place where we believe and exercise our faith like Jesus? As I've said already, this level of faith comes only to those willing to be in constant communion with their Heavenly Father. This isn't for the timid of heart. When you are able to believe for something supernatural, and when it actually comes to pass, and maybe you've seen this, but what happens Faith is strengthened. That's one of the after effects. Others' faith is strengthened, right? But what else happened to Jesus after he did all these miracles? How many people were there on the hillside? So it draws people. Would you agree? When they see true works of the Holy Spirit, 
Crowds gather. Now, we're not in the business to grow crowds. We're in the business to disciple people. But if God uses you or me or, or any one of you as a believer in this area and a miracle happens, there's one other thing that happens that I wanted to point out. It puts a target on your back. Satan hates genuine moves of God. That's why he tries to counterfeit them so often. He tries to take the glory from God. But God won't share his glory with Lucifer. And we're here to bring glory to God. And that happens when we exercise our faith and the miraculous takes place. Jesus stayed connected to his Father, just like he told us, stay connected to the vine. By learning to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the believer can transcend the boundaries of the flesh. And that comes through prayer, faith, and communion with God. Recently, someone uh, had a video, and, and I don't know who filmed it or took the video. It was in another country. It might have been the Philippines or Indonesia. Two men were on a scooter. She was walking along the side of the road with her purse, and they pulled up alongside her. The one guy jumped off, and of course, he intended to do harm to her. Here's what the, the woman did, and it made me cry. She got down on her knees. You see it in the video. She got down on her knees and said, Jesus! You know what happened? That man started flopping on the ground like a fish. He was a big guy, too. He just hit the deck, man, and he just... And you know what the guy on the scooter did? He left his buddy right there. What did that woman have? Faith. 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 She had a vertical relationship with God. And the first thing that came to her mind, it was second nature, was Jesus. Jesus. Believers must keep their faith eyes on Jesus. Why? Because if we get out here, you know what we face? The naysayers. The negative Nancys. How many are, you know what I'm saying is true. And when I point out here, who am I pointing at? Not just the world. That happens in the church. In fact, some of your most severe critics are going to be right here. When you try to exercise your faith, they're going to be over here going, oh, I don't think it's going to happen. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> now, don't say that. Just, just tell him to be quiet. Jesus, Jesus put him out of the house. That's what he did. Hey, you whalers, go outside. I don't need that negative energy in here. We are believers, and we're going to believe that this young girl is going to rise up out of the sickbed. And she did. She did. What was her name? Tabitha. 
God wants to do the miraculous with us. But he's our source. And I'm kind of jumping ahead. By the way, next week, and I just wanted to share this briefly, um, it's 4th of July, and we are going to have a celebration. We're going to worship the Lord. Uh, I, I believe he's got a strong message in the realm of what the 4th of July means. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump from this just for a week, but I just want you to know that. So next week, it's going to be just a celebration. Come expecting. Bring a dish to pass. The church is going to provide the food, uh, hamburgers and hot dogs, and, and uh, let's just enjoy each other's company. We're going to play yard games. Hopefully, it'll be dry. Anyway. Where's that going? Oh, I wanted to share this. Oh, she's got ahead of myself. There. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. That's that horizontal thing again. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We're in a race, folks, a race for life and death. Verse 2, we do this by, (sighs) there it is, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. When we keep our eyes on Him, it helps us stay focused on the plan of God for our lives. And that is that we are faithful, that we are victorious, that we get to the other side. How many people have left the church over some silly little thing? Or maybe it was a big thing. Either way, Oh, God, get a hold of them. Lord, bring them back if it's possible. Lord, we pray for those who the devil has convinced they can't find what they need in the church. And we pray today, Lord, with all our hearts that you would draw them back to you and to the body of Christ. Mm. We need each other. And we need Jesus. Not necessarily in that order. We, like the heroes of faith mentioned in this chapter, must keep our eyes on Would I, can, can I get the worship team back up here? If you guys are all still here. Our faith is what connects us to the Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And without faith, we're lost. Our faith is the fuel, the assurance, 
that propels us through the struggles, the trials, the temptations of life. Our faith, when exercised, transcends natural limits, and it takes us to those spiritual heights where we need to be. We're not turkeys, we're eagles. We're, we're looking down on this with our faith eyes. We have the perfect advantage when we have the Holy Spirit living in us. What does God not know? He knows everything. And if we're connected to the vine, if we're keeping that vertical relationship strong with Him, it doesn't matter what we face. It doesn't matter. We know in our spirit that God's got this. Just like He had Jesus. Now Jesus knew He was going to the cross. That didn't trip Him up. It wasn't some... Oh, you mean, you mean I got to go to that? No. Jesus knew when he came to this planet that he was going to have to hang on that cross. So it wasn't lack of faith or any of that. That was his purpose, to become the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. But he also came to show us, your daddy loves you. And not only does he love you, as his children, you have inherited all of this. He said this, he said, even greater things will you do. How many are doing greater things? And this kind of pulls us back to, is your life a leap of faith? Or faith that leaps. <laughs> Would you stand with me? Do you have that horizontal relationship? Do you look at circumstances and problems and trials and people more than you look up or are you one of those that has that vertical relationship you're right with God you commune with him on a daily basis you know he loves you and you love him and he speaks to you you're one or the other What I see in the church too often is this. People come into the church and they, they, they think, well, that pastor, man, he better bring a good one today. And you should expect a good sermon. That's all right. But listen to this. I'm not the one feeding you. He is. So when you come in here, you shouldn't be looking at me. You should be looking at him going, feed me. Feed me. Even if this guy doesn't say it, you're still going to get fed. Because you're looking up, not out. If you've sat through this, this last hour stewing over somebody that hurt you, 
Your relationship is horizontal. That's where sin is, the temptations of sin, unforgiveness. What you need is a vertical relationship where you're looking at him going, God, help me to forgive that brother, that sister, my mom, my dad, that pastor for speaking too long. Whatever. Hey. Just good thing you have that whooping stick. God loves you. God loves his church. We have a plan, he has a plan and a purpose for us. And that is to let our light shine in this dark world. And the only way that they're gonna see that light is if we're actually influencing them. If they see that we believe that we don't give up on our faith because somebody tried to persecute us, because somebody didn't agree with us. We continue to go to the cross. We continue to lift our prayers up to Him, knowing that He is going to move on our behalf. And if we don't give up, if, if we don't shrink back, we're going to get the victory. That's what he needs from us today. So how many in this room today, you would say, Pastor Norm, I've been leaning too much on this horizontal relationship. And today, I just want to make a positive confession that I'm going to start working on that vertical. If that's you, lift your hand up right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, it's my prayer today for everybody that raised their hand as a response to this message. That you would begin to peel the, the hardness off of our hearts and make them soft again. Tenderize us, Lord. Yes, Lord. That we might hear from you. That we would sense your presence. Lord, that as we spend time with you, that we would hear that challenge to grow our faith. And that means praying for people. Maybe even in public. <laughs> and that we would believe that you're going to do great and mighty things through us, your people. I pray this church would explode, Lord, with faithful people who believe. Whether here or online, I challenge you to seek God. Keep on seeking Him. To go after Him with a vengeance, with a, with a fervor. Believing that without Him, you can't do anything, but with Him you can do all things. I pray that this church would go out there and we would do what we're called to do. 
to pray for the sick and they will recover, to cast out demons. There are some people today that still have demons in them. We don't hear about it as much in this country, but we need to. In the other countries, it's happening every day. And people are coming to the Lord because they see those folks delivered. You want to see the church filled? Let God use you in the miraculous. Lord, we commit your church, this family of believers, into your hands today. We pray this afternoon that you would bless our summer festival, that you would bless our families that come and go, that you would bless those who are bringing uh, bounce houses or animals, and that they would sense your presence here. And Lord, even tonight, we would look for opportunities to express our faith, to exercise it in Jesus' name. We love you, and we pray that you would challenge us. Keep those vertical relationships strong. We ask this again in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.